And we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Steve Lamorte, director of The Mean One in theater. Hello, hello. Right hello, I love the hat. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is a screen worn, one of a kind, mean one hat featured, uh, featuring some real, well, I guess real fake blood uh, from the actual movie itself. Very cool. So you didn't have an accident right before the interview? I did, but this is not it. Oh, all right, fair enough. Yeah. So how did you get involved in the mean one? Well, I mean, the the idea to do kind of a holiday horror parody version of that story that everybody knows uh, has kind of been sitting with me since I was maybe, you know, when I was a little kid, right? Something about these creepy old kids drawings and, you know, going through Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights and seeing the areas that the author had created with no scare actors, with no spooky decorations, just with the lights off and a little bit of smoke. And it scared the hell out of me. And I said, what if we could do something similar that's funny and thrilling um, and take something everybody knows and, and kind of turns it on its head. And I've wanted to do it ever since. It's been that thing that kind of noodles at you that, you know, you're always supposed to pitch more than one thing when you go to pitch a movie. And so it's always idea number one, idea number two, and then the mean one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the six months ago, we decided we were going to shoot it. And uh, we filmed it in May over 14 days. And then, uh, you know, not even six months later, we're in theaters all across the country. Awesome. So when I asked how you got involved, so you, you, this was part of your idea because, you know, uh, there's two script writers. So I didn't know if it was a script mm -hmm. that came to you or you've been, you've been involved the whole time. No, this is, it's my story. It's uh, it's my concept. And um, these are writers that I work with a whole bunch. So, uh, you know, as soon as I had kind of a fleshed out outline, I said, Hey, let's, um, you know, would you be interested in writing the script for me? And uh, they obliged and they jumped on. And um, now here we are. Yeah. So um, when, when was it like you knew like, okay, we're actually going to make this because you said you would always pitch it. So did people like say, Hey, this does sound like a good idea. Then it was like, well, let's write this. Or did you write it? And then you send the script around. It never, you know, it's, it never got out of the pitch stage. It was always like, here's like 14 jokes I could do if I took this big green monster and, and turned him into a movie. Um, so, you know, it never really went further than that. Um, and then in December of last year, I had a shoot uh, cancel and I had already booked a crew and, you know, we had two days that were open and I said, you know, it's December 10th, screw it. Let's just shoot like a fake trailer for the thing. Um, we had it done by Christmas. I showed it to some friends intending for that to be it, the end, dead. I have no more jokes. It's 10, you know, it's, we shot it and that's it. It's done. Yeah. Um, and then some, uh, you know, my industry friends were like, but what if we could make it into a movie? Um, <clears throat> and we started thinking and marinating and we spent, you know, maybe four or five months writing the script, workshopping it with actors, doing kind of the, uh, you know, the creative process to hear it read over Zoom to see, you know, if we think it's, it's going to work. And then we settled on some shoot dates to try to make the uh, Christmas of this year deadline. And we started shooting in May. Excellent. The was chat room says that they love the hat, by the way. Both the hats. Oh, hat. thank you. Multiple. Thank you. We can't be sure which one is better. Yours is a little stiffer than mine. Mine is. Yeah, mine actually so bends around, so I could have it real high, but then you can't see it. So that's why it's bent around. Yeah, yours. See, yours is bent and mine kind of just hangs there. So that's what are you going to do? It's probably more comfortable. I can't say this is the most comfortable hat, but it, but it looks cool on the video. Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, for years on the show, I've always said I have a, a soft spot for um, holiday horror movies, even the really 
bad ones. I enjoy. There's just something about Christmas horror movies. I, I don't know why. But what is it about Christmas horror movies? Because I think there's. I had a guest earlier this week, and he said that there's more Halloween horror movies. But I don't even think there are. I think there are more Christmas horror movies than Halloween uh, horror movies. Well, I mean, I think there's just something inherently fun about taking something sweet, maybe that's gotten a little too sweet, um, and uh, and kind of turning it on its head and, and making it kind of spooky and scary. And I mean, look, the 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 uh, uh, how good a Christmas Carol. That's a ghost story. I mean, that I agree. Is like, yes. It's scary. I mean, in any like really good stage production of a Christmas character of a Christmas Carol is spooky as hell, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, there's there's always been a certain magical, spooky mysticism about it. I mean, we've got Santa, but there's also Krampus, a very real like they're like partners in crime. If you're good, you get one. But there's nothing more Eastern European than having an evil Santa that comes and snatches you up and throws you into a bag if you're a. Uh, if you're not good and yeah. you don't eat your beets. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think it's always been there and people are, you know, think, Oh, there are people ruining Christmas. I'm like the oldest Christmas stories are scary. So a hundred percent. It's weird because of the, the green guy that, that you referenced early, I always considered that a uh, horror esque uh, story to begin with the, uh, like maybe it's not a straight horror, but it's, it's pretty creepy for kids like cartoon. And and when we did our top um, horror holiday uh, Christmas horror movies uh, last year, the year before, I had a Christmas Carol either number one or two because I consider that a horror movie. Some of them are are really spooky. I mean, even the, the Muppet Christmas Carol, you know, where everything is a joke except Michael Caine who plays it dead serious. Even that has got like you know, Christmas Future is always very scary. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's you know they got ring rates running around and. Uh, you know, showing him his death. I mean, it's a, I don't know, scary ghost stories of Christmases long ago. People just, they, we love it, you know? Yeah. And they cut out some scenes in like the, um, the musical one. Um, uh, what's it called? It's called Scrooge. I think, uh, like, uh, he opens up his robe, the, the ghost mm -hmm. of Christmas, uh, present, and he's got like a disease and famine. I mean, there's a lot of creepy stuff in them. Heavy stuff in there. Yeah, man. It's I mean, it's a ghost story, right? That yeah. scares a rich person so much that he decides to be nice. I mean, like, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty tall order. It's gonna be pretty damn scary. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to me one one sec. But uh, do you have a favorite Christmas Carol? Because to me, like all of them are good. Uh, I, I don't know if there's really a bad one. My favorite Christmas Carol. I'm a I'm a sucker for like joke stuff. So I mean I'm I think my favorite will always be Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I mean it's just I don't know uh -huh. why I love this sense of humor. It's just funny to me. Yeah. I made a lyrics... Christmas Carol the movie versions, but I like oh. the, I like oh, your answer. I thought you meant actually song. Yeah, okay. No, but I yeah, think that... that's a good answer. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense. Uh, definitely the Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, close second being Scrooge because. Uh, Scrooge is, I mean, you can't go wrong with Bill Murray, but I'm up at Christmas Carol is it's, they take it so seriously and you really feel bad, you know, that, and you watch him have a change of heart and Michael Caine's amazing. Yeah. I get yeah. a soft spot for puppets. If you've not ever seen the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol, I think has the sat, like the most depressing song ever in a, like a cartoon. I'm the oh, only okay, boy in the world. I recommend it. If you want to cry and just feel bad, it's very sad. Excellent. I will make sure to uh, put crying at Christmas on my to-do list. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So uh, one thing I liked about uh, The Mean One is it's a fun movie. And uh, so was that like always a tent, like, we're going to make a fun movie. And along those lines, um, was there any uh, 
since you have uh david howard thornton in the movie was there any like uh, uh oh people he'll bring in his own uh fan base but they might want like a really graphic terrifier uh type movie you know it was definitely a, a concern when we brought it up i mean our, my intention was never to make a film that was like really gory and bloody or hard to watch those have a place in horror and man the practical effects in terrifier are just uh, stunning and shocking and wonderful i mean they're great not for everybody um i think the spooky pg-13 blumhouse movies have a place too right i love schlocky stuff but we knew that we wanted to make kind of a, a a real Christmas movie, not a horror movie set at Christmas time. So we wanted to have this be, you know, a borderline. Uh, the, we try to go for like the feel good horror movie of the season, right? That's always the goal. And, um, you know, so sometimes I think people take our movie a little too seriously. And I'm like, no, guys, you, sh you should be laughing the whole time. They are so serious. The actors are so serious. That's what makes it funny. And you cut to the sketch of the monster. It's ridiculous. It's like supposed to be funny. So that was kind of my hope was to make, you know, a date movie that both both partners could enjoy, you know. Um, but it, it was a little bit of a concern that we really needed to. I think the marketing might have made people think it was going to be really scary. And I'm like, no, 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 we did not want to make it really scary. I mean, it's got all this ridiculous, silly, cartoonish blood. Like, it's not supposed to be scary. I'm not trying to, you know, freak people out. I want them to, you know, all audiences to come and watch and, you know, feel warm and fuzzy and maybe a little scared um, and have a laugh with the mean one. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the blood because my mom made sure that I would ask you about the blood because uh, she actually is a big fan of the mean one. She loved it. And she wanted me to tell you that she loves the blood in the movie. And in her opinion, it's supposed to look cartoony. That's why it was made that way. Your, your mom got it right. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, when I see a headline that says that the mean one has the, uh, I generally don't read reviews, but I do like links do get sent to me and stuff. And, uh, the mean one has the worst CGI blood ever. I'm like, yes, we're getting an award, <laughs> you know, you know, like the point is to make it silly. It's supposed to be ridiculous. You know, the, um, the idea that some of uh the some of the actors you know and, and their friends and family like want to get drinks and go back and see it again because they're like laughing in the auditorium stuff like that's great i i love that and i think there's a certain element of if we had made it too realistic or too gory um it might not be in the spirit of the original character you know because we we love these characters we love the story um we want to turn them on our head and you know do parody yeah. and have fun with it but also you know, I don't want to uh, to ruin someone's childhood, as uh, many, many people <laughs> sure. have told yeah. me in my inbox on Instagram. Thank you all so very much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, a few things there, like you said about all the different types of horror movies. That's what I like about horror, because it really depends what kind of mood I'm in. I, mm -hmm. I love Terrifier and Terrifier 2, and I love something, you know, silly. I love Gremlins, and uh, it really depends what kind of mood you're in, and that's what mm -hmm. makes horror fun. Definitely. And, and, you know, I think they all horror movies, you know, have their value and their merit. I mean, if you only did chainsaw slashers, you know, like you could totally do that and you could go down that path and you would never have to watch a haunted house movie ever. You'd never have to watch a, a ghost movie, you know, or, or a woods movie or found footage. And, you know, the, I think it's really cool when you take the, the genre or you take something people expect and you turn it on its head you know, whether it's this Winnie the Pooh thing that's coming out or uh, Humpty Dumpty, Hansel yeah. and Gretel. I mean, all of them. I mean, it's like they're they go for it. You know, I mean, I once saw a movie. I mean, Wolf Cop. Come on now. Like he's a wolf. A he's a cop. Fan. He's a wolf yeah. cop. Right. 
I'm like, man, that's great. Like I, it's so silly and ridiculous. And they let him make two of these damn things. I'm so, you know, zombie mm-hmm. Nazis. Come on. Like they, they all have a place and I love it. Yeah. Like you can't get enough zombie Nazis, but, uh, but uh, Eric says, I love the movie so much. I thought it was great from beginning to end. Thank you, Eric. Uh, and a uh, real I'll bad. Send you $5 is- in fi- uh, uh, just shoot me your email. I'll send you $5. Excellent. <laughs> uh, real badge wants to know is any screen credit, uh, any screen credit for the film collective. We make movies considering how much of the cast are members thereof. Um, what do you mean? Is there any, are they in the credits? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're in the, the closing credits. Yeah. And the special thanks. I mean, the, you know, we make movies is, uh, near and dear to my heart. It's a film collective um, that uh, is really a, a global network, especially since the pandemic has gone global of, uh, you know, kind of empowering filmmakers at any step of their filmmaking journey to make the movie they want to see. And uh, I'm very fortunate that I'm in Los Angeles and I'm, I'm plugged in and connected with We Make Movies. And uh, so we've got, you know, members of this collective in front of the screen as actors behind the scenes as writers, you know, camera operators, lighting people. Yeah. We Make Movies is, uh, is all over the film. Shout out to We Make Movies. Very cool. And uh, how sick are you of people asking about the legalities of the the, the green guy of Grinch in, in the movie? Who? <laughs> I've never heard of this yeah. person. Um, no, it's, it's all good. I mean, look, the uh, we, we can talk about it if you'd like. Sure. Just in case, um, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but um, in, in case this is the interview people have heard and they've not heard other ones or whatever, it's good to have mm-hmm. everything in it. So um, what are of the course. legalities of uh, doing the character? And did you have to uh, have someone on set to make sure, you know, uh, certain things are uh, adhered to? Well, it's, I mean, the parody is protected by the Constitution, right? right? I mean, we are, you know, you are allowed to uh, take things that exist and, and, uh, you know, kind of spin them off and, and make a funny version of them. Um, one of the great things it sets America apart because you can't do that uh, in lots of the world, actually. Um, so, you know, we knew that if we wanted to have this take of, of the character, conceptually, it had to be funny just for it to make sense. Otherwise, yikes, um, that would be a different movie. Um, but we also knew that, um, you know, we didn't want to confuse people into thinking that this is something that's authorized. You know, we didn't want to denigrate the source material or, or, or make people, you know, feel like, we have a problem with the author or the original cartoon. Um, so it was important to us that we took the steps uh, in the screenwriting phase to make sure that, you know, we could follow the law and, you know, be kind of uh, as uh, as careful as possible to make sure that the movie was, uh, you know, was, is not only a, a good movie that's well-received, but also that we're not harming any other brand or, you know, the, the authors of the characters uh, or, or ruining anything. Yeah. Um, but it was, it did take a lot of work because we are not trying to trick anybody into thinking that this is, you know, official yeah. or legitimate. It's a parody. And, um, you know, we're, we're happy that uh, we can exist alongside all the other super fun parodies that are out there. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you mentioned uh, Winnie the Winnie the Pooh movie that's coming out and it's just mm-hmm. a weird coincidence that they're around the same time, because then I think people do kind of lump the idea together that the Winnie the Pooh, the, uh, the rights, you know, came or Disney no longer owns the rights, so people can make a Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. whatever they want. And then I think some people lump this together and say it's the same idea, but it, but it isn't. Well, and we haven't seen Winnie the Pooh. You know, um, shout yeah. out to the Blood and Honey team. I'm I, I don't even mean like I don't know what if the the vibe of the movie, but I mean the idea that Winnie the Pooh's um, copyright came up. And oh no yes, well that's yeah, that's a little bit different. I mean, right. public domain is 
he's a little different for sure. And I think that's why Winnie the Pooh doesn't appear to be funny. I'm not sure if it is, but that's, you know, they don't have to yeah. go that route because you could take a character like Robin Hood. It's been around forever. No one owns Robin Hood, as far as I know. Um, so, you know, you could make Robin Hood into a, into a killer or into a porno. You can do whatever you want with it, you know? Um, so it's the that's stuff that's not in public. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so there's, there's stuff that, you know, that's not in the public domain where, um, the very fine line of parody has to be walked. If you want to kind of play with these toys and bring them in your sandbox. Yeah. So I uh, getting David Howard Thornton involved, uh, honestly, he's awesome in the movie. Like, uh, it's hard to imagine someone else playing it after you, after you see him. Uh, how early on was he in, involved in playing uh, the mean one? Pretty early on. I mean, we, you know, the whole thing happened so fast, right? We went from outline and beat sheet in not even a year ago to script within three or four months to shooting by May to, you know, here we are. And uh, it became clear pretty early on that as soon as you let the mean one talk, it becomes really hard for him to be mysterious. It becomes really hard for him to be scary. So we knew that he should be feral. We knew that he should be monstrous. And we knew that it was going to be someone that had to perform because when we see him, we want to really see him, right? The first act of the movie, you're not sure, is he real? Is, is she dreaming? Is she crazy? Um, but then once, you know, we get to the third act and they're going at it, you know, you want to know that he can really emote, the character can emote. Um, so between the the makeup design and casting of David, we knew that we wanted someone who could Bring, really bring something to it. I've known the Terrifier guys for years, you know, at least at this point, at least 15, 20 years. I've known these guys forever. And so I've been following Terrifier since the first one, since the first one dropped on Netflix. And I was like, is this your guys' movie? Um, so I've been aware of it. And once we knew that the creature wasn't going to speak, I said, we should look at Terrifier again. Um, cause the guys had been showing me, you know, footage from the movie while they were shooting it just on their cell phones. Look, we blew up this lady's head. Don't tell anybody, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and we're like, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Uh, and we went back and my producing partner slash fiance, Amy, uh, we watched terrifier again and we're like, this has got to be the guy. And so, you know, we, uh, we reached out and we sent him the script and I said, look, it's a comedy. It's, it's different. You know, we want it to be scary, but it's not, you know, it's not terrifier. Um, take a look and let us know what you think. And he kind of, he bought into the concept and the idea and our, our approach. And, uh, he really wanted to do something different, honestly. Um, and so I think that, um, it was, uh, it was, there's no problem at all for him because he goes from funny to scary, you know, on camera like that. I mean, I could do a 90 minute, oops, all David's cut of the movie. And, uh, you just be laughing the whole time. Cause it's, he's just so, so talented. It's, it's great to watch. He's great in the movie. Really nice guy too. And um, once you saw him for the first time in the full like uh, costume and the makeup, mm -hmm. like what did you what did you what went through your mind? Well, first, there was a lot of swearing because I was so excited. <laughs> um, uh, the second was. I mean, it was just it was just shocking. It was incredible because he while he was putting on the the applications, he would take little what well, he wasn't putting them on Tatiana. Shout out to Tatiana Bouchel. Um, while she was putting the makeup on him, he would stop intermittently to look in the mirror and kind of work with the prosthetics to see how his face, you know, reacted, what he could do with his eyebrows and his smile and his mouth and stuff. So by the time he came out and, you know, we had done a few makeup tests with different colors and, and patterns and pieces. And when he came out and what I had a feeling was going to be the final look, he stepped into the light and, you know, he gave me a smile and a snarl. And I was like, that's the mean one right there. 
you know, and he, he stayed in character and he was, you know, just, just moving his face and moving his hands. And I was like, well, this, I mean, you know, I took a light out and I put my camera around him and I was, I was like, there's no bad angle to film this man. This is fantastic. We need to, <laughs> man, I wish he was in more of the movie because, you know, when you're trying to set up a mystery, you don't want to see the creature, right? You want to hide it, but he was just, it was so cool. It was very, very exciting. And every time someone new came on set, they were like, whoa, okay. All right. You know, they were really into it too. So it was a super fun shoot. Yeah. He's, he's amazing in it. Uh, and he's, I like that. He's a really championing the film. I know he's like the main guy and everything, but still like, it's nice. Uh, um, that's how I first saw about it was he was talking about on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, he's a, a big proponent of the movie. I mean, we're all horror fans and, and independent movie fans and, and no independent movie gets made without everyone behind it giving 100%. I mean, we don't even have Terrifier 2 money. We've got Terrifier 1 money. Our budget was so, so, so small. I physically made the shoes myself. You know, my fiance did all the wardrobe, even though she was also the producer and in the movie as Mayor McBean. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> this whole film was, was a labor of love. And, and the fact that this tiny little thing that was just supposed to be released, you know, online around the holidays ended up in the theaters all across the country is, is crazy to me. Like other parts of the world are writing us asking when they're going to get the movie. And I'm like, this was, this was like a, a, you know, the third thing on my list of things to do for like 10 years, you know, it's just never supposed to be anything for everybody. And, and now your mom thought it was fun. And that, yeah, she loved it. I mean, she she's weird. I mean, I grew up watching horror movies because of her, but but no, she loved the movie. So, yeah. But that's you know that warms my heart. Like we, you know, when I'm I I go to screenings, not just like the Q and A events, but sometimes yeah. I'll just go, you know, because I mean, how many times do you get your movie in theaters? Yeah. And uh, to sit in the back of the audience and hear people like laughing and razzing the movie and you know chuckling in the right spots and stuff is 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 so great. Like I, I love it. It's my as as much as a, a gift to horror fans. Uh, you know, to, to make this thing that I guess a lot of people really wanted. Um, it's a gift for me to see people smile. So I, I love it. Yeah. And I imagine it's really fun. I think the best way to watch any movies in the theater, but especially mm -hmm. horror and comedy, because people can interact, you know, with the movie while they're watching it. And then uh, you got you got both here. You got a horror comedy. And I imagine it's a really fun experience uh, with a, with an audience. It's it's cool. I've actually done, uh, you know, it's it's been kind of interesting, too, because I've uh, you know, we're doing some podcasts leading up to the movie coming out and, you know, not everyone was able to see it because of where it's located. And it's been really interesting to see people's reactions to the movie when they watch it cold, like, you know, however people screen movies before they come out um, versus people who saw it in the theater and were like, oh, I was laughing the whole time. Me and my friends all had fun. We showed up late. I don't think we missed anything, but then the ending made me sad. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a different experience when you see like a movie that's meant to be seen loud and rowdy with a group so yeah. i don't know if i could introduce the movie every time it played and be like hey feel free to yell because that's what we do you know <laughs> yeah. i'm sitting behind this you know sitting at the monitor while we're shooting and you've got a, a police officer in a cave while a guy in a green furry suit is stomping on a toy you know and they're all acting scared i'm just chuckling i'm like this is so dumb i love this this is so funny <laughs> you know like we're yeah. we're in on it and we we love it too yeah uh the very first what was the very first screening of the movie with people our very 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 first screening um of the finished film with people was midsummer uh scream put on an event called season screamings it was a holiday you know a christmas horror convention in pasadena here in los angeles um and they didn't even know what they were seeing so they but they people had kind of figured out what it was going to be 
Um, and that was the very first audience that got to see it. And uh, they got, and they, we were really worried because we we're like, okay, we haven't tested it with an audience before. We've done, you know, little things to see if the movie kind of worked edit wise, but um, that was the first time we showed it. And they, people, they, man, they laughed, they cheered. They, I mean, it was, uh, they seemed to get it. They, there was a bunch of jokes that I didn't know were funny that uh, people <laughs> laughed at. I was yeah. just designs that I thought were cool that, you know, things that people got before the joke landed. And then they laughed when it landed. It was it was a blast. And I was like, oh, I think uh, we're going to have something that, you know, maybe not for everybody, but something that, you know, if you like horror comedies, I think uh, would be a good time. And people seem to be liking it because we got extended for a week. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, earlier when you mentioned about, you know, it's lucky in this country with the parody laws, does that though affect uh, showing the mean one in other countries? Ooh, that's a really good question. I would have to, I'm going to plead. The maybe fifth. you don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're taking it one day at a time here. We are so tiny. Like our marketing department is just me and my fiance. Like we do all the ads. We do all the, yeah. like, it's, just, you know, we're such a small team. A lot of people contributed time and talent to making the movie, but our crew was only like 15 people on any given day. You know, the only real day where we had a lot of people on set was that big Santa con massacre sequence. Um, you know, where we have, all of my closest stunt friends get killed by the mean one. Okay. That was a big day. We had a lot of people on set that day, but uh, yeah, we're, we're a tiny team. So we're, we're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Uh, which what what uh, scene was the most fun to film? I'm sure some of them that, that look fun might also be a lot of work. So maybe they weren't fun at the time, but which was the most fun to actually film? The most fun scene would have to be, would probably be the Santa con sequence. Um, because the, you know, all of the different stunt performers, everyone's got like a specialty or a thing they can do. And we shot that whole sequence, you know, David told us terrifier, some of the big, like death sequences, they'll spend a whole week shooting just one death sequence. And we shot like 12 deaths in 12 hours. It was nuts, including the car driving, like every scene with the Santa con folks was shot in one day, which was, uh, but it was great. Cause the crew was vibing and, you know, the stunt coordinator, Terrence, who, knows all of the stunt performers kind of knows what people can do who can fall who can take a hit who's you know can do crawling really well who can you know be on a wire and get dragged through cups um and it was great to just see them all like kind of one up each other and uh you know who's falling off a table who's getting you know taking a hit to the face but he's like can i go into some cups let's put some liquid in the cups you know and, and kind of just jamming and vibing that damn inflatable tree stealing the scene even though he's just you know walking around performing. It was definitely the Santa con scene. And the hardest scene to shoot was the shower scene because we had to build that shower um, in order to be able to like spray blood and stuff in it. So if you saw, there's nothing sexy about the shower scene. We've like had to run a hose uh, five feet from a different shower with a different shower head and put up plastic. Like we built this shower contraption that's definitely you know, there's like water dripping on the lights. I'm like, one of us is going to die in here. I hope you guys know that. <laughs> like, I hope you guys know that this is the moment where someone goes down forever. RIP. Um, uh, but we got the scene, but yeah, that was, uh, everyone walked out of that scene wet and not, it was bad. <laughs> uh, Eric, how did the idea of the candy cane gun come to be? Personally, I love it in the movie. Thank you. Um, you know, when we started, when we made the concept reel, I had sketches and ideas for the armor. And uh, I'm, I love kit bashing, right? That's like one of my favorite things to do is, is go to Goodwill and, and go to the Amazon warehouse, the section that's got all the used cheap stuff. 
um, go to thrift stores and I love buying weird little pieces, things that look real, that look used and worn and weathered. Um, I kind of mashed them together to make my own props and things. And uh, the idea for the candy cane shotgun kind of came up because I, you know, I wanted her to, the whole point is she's trying to antagonize the creature, right? That's why she sets up the traps. That's why she puts the armor on um, to try to antagonize him, to lure him out. And, uh, you know, once we knew that we were, we were using the, the candy canes as like swords, because Crystal is a, uh, an accomplished sword. Oh, really? Sword master, sword master, sword mistress. I'm not sure what it is. No. She's really good with swords, as is my fiance. <laughs> um, and so once I saw her swinging like the, the candy canes like swords, I was like, oh man, we should make like a candy cane gun. And we made the candy cane shotgun. Um, and then once the time came for the movie, I was like, well, obviously I have to make a candy cane handgun. Right, right. And uh, I, I do own both of them and um, they're not for sale. And uh, I don't know if, and they, you know, they're airsoft guns, so they're fairly safe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I get a lot of questions about those guns. And, and maybe if I ever open a weapon store, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll make... <laughs> Custom I don't know about. Edition. I assume that's probably not uh, like the next thing you're going to do, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe that was on your plan to make a a weapon. There's my that. side hustle. There it is, arms dealer <laughs> yeah. and movie maker. There you go. So is that part of the reason she was cast for the role, or does it? Or once you find out she's a sword uh, master, mistress, good at swords, mm -hmm. uh, does that become part of the character? Well, I've worked with Crystal a bunch um, and, uh, you know, my original plan for the film when I was first sketching it out was that it would go much more home alone and that Cindy would be a little girl um, and, uh, you know, the monster would kind of terror, you know, terrorize her. Um, but then once I started thinking about the logistics of working with a kid and, and how we're going to make this thing not kind of ruin the character, you know, we didn't want to do something that was you know, that messed with, with the, you know, the source material, mm -hmm. it became clear that an adult would be the way to go. And I said, well, you know, uh, Crystal has this childlike innocence about her um, and a real vulnerability that, uh, you know, I saw working with her on another project and, you know, she used to get set on fire 10 or 20 times a week at universal studios. Like she doubles for Ronda Rousey. She's a really accomplished stunt performer. And I was like, okay, well, what if we took someone who could do all this? No one knows that she's got these skills. Presumably the audience anyway, does not um, And we went backwards and she could end at Sarah Connor and we'll just like strip all that away and, you know, make her seem kind of innocent yeah. and demure. And, and then, uh, and then we can do some really cool stuff. And there's a bunch of uh, action beats that I wanted to do that we, you know, we ran out of time and we couldn't shoot, but, uh, there's, you haven't seen the last of, of Crystal because she can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, she just shows up on set in her motorcycle and takes her helmet off. And she's like, <laughs> are we doing the, 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 you know, I learned all the fight choreography by watching the video, Steve. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's Cindy for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, how about John Bigham as Doc? He's uh, one of my favorite characters in the movie. Oh, John is, is the man. He's, he's so sweet. Um, I, you know, ever since I met him, uh, shuffling around the streets of Los Angeles, uh, where he lives under a bridge. No, Don, <laughs> John is a John's a We Make Movies member. Um, he's a near and dear friend, and uh, I knew that I wanted this character initially um, to be kind of right down the middle. What you'd think in a horror movie, you know, the the grizzled, older, you know, stay away from there kind of character. Um, and once we gave him the the script to read, and he did it in the audition. I guess he wasn't super familiar with the source material. So he was like asking me to how to say some of these words or the cadence behind some of the stuff that rhymes. And I was like, have you never read the, have you never read the book? Do you not? <laughs> he was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I get the spirit of it, but no, he hadn't seen it. And so the fact that he wasn't aware of any of the source material 
meant he brought this like zaniness to the character. He's like, how drunk am I? You know what? I'll figure it out. And he just brought something to it where we're like, oh, this character is going to be really funny. And then we did a rewrite to play to his strengths. And uh, he's he's so fun. You, we have him on set and he just, he's like, can I sing? And I was like, when would you, you're talking about your dead wife. When would you sing? He goes, I, just trust me. And he just goes for it. And we're, we're like, thank you, John. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but I think uh, I really enjoy the ending. And I think it's a very fun uh, reference to the original uh, story. Thank you. It was yeah. uh, we knew that that's how it was going to end for sure, um, at least conceptually in terms of the action of what physically happens. Um, but emotionally, it was the writers that really fought for the ending to have the weight that it does, you know, again, without spoiling it. Um, and when we test screened the movie, you know, we did like showed it to a couple of people to see if it worked. The people did not like the ending. They were like, oh, my God, how can you have it end there? You know, a normal horror movie, it ends over here. Um, and so we actually had to go and do some uh, some re-edits and just make sure that it it kind of flowed and, and it gelled and it didn't feel like, a, you know, a cop out. And I think it works really well now. But uh, when we first tested it, it was, everyone was like, oh, my God, the old ending was really bad. So we had to. Uh, <laughs> make some changes yeah so how um when did you find out it was gonna like play at theaters it was gonna be a theatrically released i'd say maybe three to four days before you did um <laughs> <laughs> the uh the distributor that came on you know it's it's interesting the uh the way the internet works right and with technology we can do things so much faster you know, you can we can beam trailers to theaters. We can, uh, you know, we can print a master and have it shipped all across the country. I mean, you can do so many crazy things really, really fast. And so after the trailer dropped, and you know, there was a the distributor approached us and said, "Hey, we, you know, uh, what do you think about you know?" There's there's kind of a hole in the release schedule the week before Avatar. Um, what do you think about like going theatrical for like one night? just to, you know, just, just to try it and see what happens. And one thing led to another and we're like, well, let's try for the whole weekend and see what happens. I mean, and can we get extended? And they were like, no, absolutely not. But you'll get one really good week and think of how fun that would be. And we said, let's do it. Let's try. Why not? Um, and here we are week two, uh, you know, which I guess would be only four weeks after I found out it was going to be in theaters. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we're playing in the same theater as, as James Cameron's Avatar sequel, which is just out, outrageous. It's insane. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, I'm not saying this because David Howard Thornton is in the movie, but how much do you think like Terrifier 2 has helped movies uh, like yours and independent films get a chance in, in the theater? Because that movie did so well theatrically, way, way more than anyone expected it to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I think that uh, this has been a really interesting, a good year for horror movies, for sure. I agree. But, you know, the, the, but the film industry has been kind of suffering uh, in terms of, the company that makes my toilet paper is also making TV shows, adapting books I've loved forever. Like it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing, right? So uh, you know, the the film industry has been kind of slow to to pick up on trends and stuff, and you know, been kind of insular for a long time. And I think that uh, once the streaming thing kind of shook up Hollywood, it really felt like movies were getting smaller, not bigger. They're making more, but they're you know they're getting smaller. And oh, we're thinking about releasing the new James Bond. On Amazon Prime, I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. They want to put Dune, which they went to the desert and breathed sand, you know, <laughs> for for months and months to make this a masterpiece, and you're going to show it on my phone? Come on now! Um, and I really think that uh, 
Terrifier has shown that we have the infrastructure to get little movies out there for a you know reduced cost, and there's interest. You know, you don't need to. They were in seven, eight hundred theaters, like fifteen hundred max, I think, once at Halloween, and even that is a third of what you know a rom com would get, or a, you know, or a, a Marvel films is a different story. But you know, and it, they did great. They you know they did never broke the top ten much higher than eight or nine, and that's a huge win for them. And it was a huge win for us because we got to go and see it and get grossed out when they gets the mashed potatoes. I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's a win for everybody. And I'm, I'm really hoping that more movies do go theatrical because uh, it's just a blast to be with people. And I'll never forget the night I saw uh, Avengers Endgame with an audience. It was midnight. We all got out at three, three in the morning. And, you know, when Black Panther comes through the, you know, the portal and spoilers, uh, you know, when he says Avengers assemble, it was crazy, you know, and you just don't get that at home. I love my cats, but I want to be out with people, you know. <laughs> no, I agree. I think, I'm yeah. someone who I see multiple movies a week in the theater and I'm not anti-Marvel movie or anything at all because I go see the great big blockbuster movies and I go and see Terrifier 2 at the theater and and weird uh, Bollywood movies. Uh, I just mm -hmm. like seeing movies in the theater. I think that they're much more uh, no, no matter what kind of movie, it's much more enjoyable. It's true. It's really true. And especially when you have like comedies and things, you know, or, or horror movies, things that are meant to be experienced for the group. It's it's just the best. That's part of it. Right. Is being with people. And also, oh, my God, the screen. I mean, you you want, really want to watch Avatar like my TV at home is pretty big, but yeah. I don't need to see it in 3D to appreciate Avatar, like just to see it on the giant screen, feel the sound, you know, all the stuff that uh, Nicole Kidman says in that spot. You know, it's it's kind of true. It's there's there's a magic to the big screen. I really hope smaller movies make it up there for sure because yeah. they deserve and, a shot. And the sound, I think, sometimes overlooked. The, obviously, the big screen you can't escape it. You can't. Well, you could look in your phone if you're really annoying, but you're going to look at the the screen and it's right there. And the sound, if you can feel the sound in the theater. The whole oh my goodness! I saw a uh, tenant in theaters. It was like getting a back massage when that plane took off. You know, and everything's like just the chair was shaking. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. Chris, Chris Nolan does the, I mean, his sound design is, oh, it's always so cool. It's great. You just can't replicate the theatrical experience. So I want to see more movies get made. And if that means I have to go streaming, great. But I, I think we're about to enter a next year, especially, I think we're going to be entering a new landscape of movies that are like, let's try it in the theaters and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw Terrifier 2 in, in Boston, they showed it on the IMAX screen. I don't think it was technically IMAX, but they showed it on the giant IMAX screen. It, wow. screen, it was a really cool experience. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were our premiere. They were like, do you want to, I guess they had an opening in whatever the three panel, you know, the screen with the big screen in the middle and the immersive screen. Yeah. Like, oh, do you want to show the movie in there? And I was like, no, we made this movie for 75 cents. Do not <laughs> great, let the audience get any closer to the fake blood. <laughs> That cave is made of duct tape and paper in the writer's <laughs> living room. Like, do not, the, a normal big screen is fine. Do not let them get closer to the screen. <laughs> if anything, turn the lights down a little bit. Like, let's, you know, give me, help me out a little bit. You know, open right. the bars, put some smoke in the room. Give me something. So uh, people in the chat, people on my Facebook, they want to know, um, can we expect a mean one sequel? Ooh, good question. I get asked that a whole bunch and I can't. I'm not that I can't say, I would say no, I have no plans for a mean one sequel at this point. And not because my fiance, the producer is looking at me, making sure that I say that I don't have any plans for a mean one sequel, but if I did, it, I would, it would probably be like, you know, a 10 page outline 
a whole bunch of sketches, a song idea, some drawings, some pictures and a location and, you know, some new monsters that I want to introduce, but I don't. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, but if I did, it would be all of those things and it would be crazy. Um, so no. <laughs> Very well said. And, um, where go and see in the theater if you can now, but where will mean one go after the theatrical release? We're not sure. Honestly, this all happened so quickly. Um, and the theatrical release, one of the parts of it for anyone that doesn't know that uh, know this is when you do a theatrical release they want to know that you're not going to jump right into streaming um so once we knew we were going theatrical we knew we were going to have to put the streaming on ice for a little bit um so between you know having it be in theaters for a second week which is unbelievable and maybe a third week if people go see it this weekend they might extend us and let us be around for oh, christmas sweet. which would be which would be amazing they've said it's a possibility um but uh people have to see it this weekend um, for ed to make a splash uh, so we're we're not sure about the the streaming side of things. I know it's going to be back next Christmas for sure, and it'll be much more widely available. Um, but for right now, I, I don't have an answer on that. All right, very cool. And where can people follow you and uh, the Mean One to see uh, in the future where it'll be available? Of course, you can follow the Mean One on uh, social media, predominantly Facebook and Instagram. It's at the Mean One Movie. Um, and if you want to follow me and see my my next film, which is a zombie film noir mashup shot oh, in the style cool. of sin city yeah you can follow me on instagram at stephen lamorte spelled the way it sounds all right well i'm looking forward to that i really enjoyed the mean one as did my mom and she made sure to, that i that i told you that and it was very cool to talk with you so great talking with you too thanks for having me and and uh supporting independent horror laughing along with us it's uh quite the christmas joy uh, and if anybody's watching now or, or or listening or not watching live but watching in the future uh, please go see the movie <laughs> because we're, it is my Christmas wish that the mean one is around on Christmas. Um, and we're only currently guaranteed to stay until December 22nd, um, which I guess is Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and that's when in theory, we're, uh, we're getting the boot. So if people get out there and, and they see the movie or just, if they liked it and they tell people, you know, yeah. Hey, check it out. Cause it might not be here much longer. Um, that really, really help us out um, because we uh, we want to be around for Christmas. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. All right. And it would be fun to do a second one uh, when the zombie movie is coming back, coming out. Definitely reach out. It's called Bury Me Twice and um, it's done. It's it's uh, going to be streaming for sure. And I'm not allowed to say much more beyond that at this juncture. Um, so just just stay in touch and uh, I'll be sure to make sure I get to you first. All right. Very cool. Thank you. Nice thanks so much yeah thanks merry christmas everybody merry christmas <laughs> yes i'm going to play uh i know you have to take off uh but i'm gonna play uh music here from our music of the month to uh end the show thanks everyone for watching and i started this by accident oh. <laughs> all right all right so i'm gonna play music out thank you again for doing the uh the interview and i'll talk to you again sometime soon Bye 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 Just a young man riding on the subway And if you want a clean and efficient ride You're at the mercy of the MTA Don't you look at me
Thanks, everyone, for uh, watching. That was Theophobia with Dylan Mars Greenberg, our music of the month. Uh, big thanks to Steve Lamorte. He should be when he's on here. We got, you know, Nasty Neil, Terrible Troy, sometimes on here, Treacherous Trista. I was thinking Steve Lamorte, Lamorte. Now, oh, maybe need some work. Uh, we'll be live here uh, back next week, next uh, Thursday. We don't normally do Friday shows, but we'll be back uh, next Thursday. And I'm going to have William Tokarski on, who is in the Adult Swim's Yule Log, which everyone's talking about. It's kind of an internet sensation. That's on Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network. Check that out. We're going to have him on before Christmas. That'll be very exciting. I've um, got some more guests lined up for 2023. Uh, we're also going to be doing some uh, fil uh, feature film screenings. Those are a lot of fun. We just did one with uh, Home is Where I Lay. And uh, we got some uh, we got some Christmas horror movies coming up. So what happens is uh, right here on this YouTube channel, we'll show the movie, feature film. You'll watch it. And then after that, it'll be a live Q&A with, uh, with the cast and the crew of the films. Um, now, the feature will only play once. So you have to come and watch it live because I can't just keep them up here forever and give people's movies away. So come over, watch it live with us. We have an interactive chat room. You can talk about the movie and then right after that Q&A and uh, you, can, uh, you can send in questions and uh, talk to the directors and actors in the movie. That's going to be a lot of fun. So what you do is you subscribe to this channel and hit that little icon, that little bell, and you'll get a notification every time we're live and every time a new interview pops up. Uh, a lot of interviews will be coming up this weekend. So uh, check here, some stuff I recorded uh, during the week. It's uh, good stuff. And if you're not already part of it, go and join our community at facebook.com slash groups slash without your head horror. And just as Steve talked about, uh, get the word out there. So to tell people, go see the mean one. So they keep playing at the theater and also help out without your head and help spread the head. So how do you do that? You share without your head. You share it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your MySpace, on your uh, on your Instagram, on your Friendster, on your um, on your Grinder. I don't know. Share it wherever you want to share it. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Go spray paint it on your neighbor's uh, car. Don't actually do that part. But tell everyone about without your head because you enjoy it and you want other people to enjoy it and you want more people to uh, to come here and make me feel good. All right, so until next week, we will return. This is Nasty Neil. A big shout out to Terrible Troy, who will be returning next week, the return of Terrible Troy. Uh, hopefully, Treacherous Trista comes back here sometime on the show. Uh, 2023, uh, we'll be also doing our 13 list, which we will run down our 13 favorite horror films, and that'll be me, Terrible Troy, Treacherous Trista, 
Our buddy Justin B. Henning always joins us with the uh, the 13 list. And a, uh, Alok Mirsha, who made uh, the horror film 1BR. So that'll be very fun. And it'll be cool because you can come into the chat room and say, what the hell, Nasty Neil? How the hell do you have that stupid-ass movie in your 13? Like, hey, I loved it. Or you could say, what the hell? How can you be missing fill in the blank? Maybe we'll take Zoom calls and you can zoom in and uh, let us know your favorites. I don't know. It'll be a good time, though. Come and watch it. Uh, big th thanks to everyone who's in the chat, everyone who listens uh, live, who also listens after this is over here on YouTube, on Spotify, or uh, we're on iTunes and stuff, but I think it's much more fun to uh, watch it. And so you can watch a video on YouTube or on Spotify. All the other platforms, I believe, are just audio, like iTunes and, and all those good things. That's fine, too, every listen. But, hey, if you only listen, you can't see these cool hats. You'd be like, what are they talking about? You just have to think about it. Watch us. All right. Now, uh, now I'm just wasting your time. So I'm going to get out of here. And thanks again, everybody. Bye.